This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to the top people and ideas. Powered by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. BFM 89.9, I'm Chong Jensen and this is The Breakfast Grill. The Scheffler Group started more than seven decades ago by two brothers, Wilhelm and George Scheffler in Germany. In time, three independently successful companies merged to create a global leader with the DNA of a family business. It is now a leading global automotive and industrial supplier in 200 locations in over 50 countries. Scheffler develops and manufactures precision products for mobility in machines, equipment and vehicles as well as in aviation and aerospace applications. Its presence in Malaysia dates back to 1995, starting as a representative office for Southeast Asia, but has evolved in 2021 to become the region's shared services hub for Asia-Pacific. Joining us in the studio is Kelvin Chong, and he's country manager of Malaysia for Scheffler. Thank you for joining us this morning. Kelvin, Scheffler globally has more than a 70-year history. Can you give us a background on how the business started in Malaysia and how comprehensive is the business compared to the home country in Germany. Sure, thank you, uh, Jensan, for having me here this morning. Um, as you pointed out, uh, Scheffler started about uh, 26, 27 years ago in uh, Malaysia. We started off as a representative office here, and uh, the roots of the company is uh, more in the industrial bearings. So the business also started in Malaysia from the industrial division. Among the three divisions that we have, uh, industrial division, automotive technologies, and the automotive aftermarket uh, division. We started off with uh, the office in Kuala Lumpur, and then uh, over the years, uh, we expanded to Penang as well, where we have another branch. And um, our business today is uh, predominantly the uh, industrial business, which makes up about 60% of our turnover, and then followed by automotive technologies, which makes up about 30% of the turnover, followed by um, automotive aftermarket, which is about 10% of the sales. So in terms of the products, does the Malaysia office supply all the products available, such as the components and systems for engine transmissions, chassis, and also also the accessory and hybrid and electrified drive systems? Yes, uh, we do uh, most of it except for the uh, electrified uh, products. This is a new uh, business segment that is uh, still in the process of being developed. Uh, but over here in Malaysia, we supply the major OEMs with their chassis, transmission and engine products. And we've been serving them for uh, more than 10 years here. The product range for Schaeffler products is very diverse and includes components and systems for vehicles with drivetrains based on internal combustion engines as well as for hybrid and electric vehicle applications. But for a non-car enthusiast, can you give us an idea what these products really are? When we talk about electrified uh, hybrid-related products, it can consist of uh, motors, for example, power electronic units and some of the controls on the transmission which helps uh, electric vehicle run. So these are uh, say new products which uh, goes beyond the domain of uh, mechanical engineering because it involves uh, software and electronic components to manage all these mechanical uh, elements to drive the, the whole car. So it's actually quite a change from what we, we used to do uh, in terms of uh, the chassis engine products where we have let's say the traditional internal combustion engine uh, which runs on let's say gasoline, diesel, petrol but then as we go towards electric vehicles uh, we have the main components like the, the battery and 
and the motto and Sheffler does not do the uh, the battery. However, we work with partners to see how we can drive the, the car with the other elements that links to the battery. Are all of your products sold through sales distributors? Not everything. Uh, it's a mix. So some of the products are sold through distributors and some are being sold directly. So typically when we serve the OEM customers, we, we, uh, we do it directly. And then with the other channels, the aftermarket and the wide, let's say, industry, we normally uh, serve it through uh, distributors because distributors are a way for us to expand our coverage uh, with the distribution and the sales network to, to cover uh, more geographies within Malaysia. Would you know indirectly then which car manufacturers you supply to in Malaysia and who takes the lion's share? Is there any way of finding out? Uh, so over here in Malaysia, um, some of the main um, OEM customers of ours uh, in the automotive segment is, for example, Proton and Perudua. And these two OEMs are actually uh, making up almost uh, half of Malaysia's uh, TIV on an annual basis. So it's also, you know, our strategy to be present in these uh, OEMs because they are, they are big in presence in Malaysia. Of course, uh, Scheffler has also a very strong, let's say, continental presence. So we serve uh, OEMs like Mercedes, BMW, Volkswagen as well. I see. But how much of the business comes from OEM and how much from uh, distribution? Over here, if we were to, let's say, break down our divisions here, for example, the industrial division, uh, about 60 to 70% of the business comes from distribution. And then another uh, 30% is coming from the OEMs, which is done uh, directly. And then for the automotive um, division, we are serving it 100% uh, direct to the OEM. Um, you also have a branch office in Penang, which you opened in 2007 to cater to the semiconductor industry based there. Can you give us an idea how the business has grown over the past 15 years and who are your key customers for this business? Sure. In Penang, as we know, it's the Silicon Valley of the East. It has a very strong, um, let's say, standing in the semiconductor uh, sector. So over the years, the Penang government has really invested a lot to bring in a lot of the uh, semiconductor uh, MNCs to set foot in uh, Penang. So we also take advantage of this uh, trend to go into Penang. And uh, the last two to three years, we have seen a strong growth um, in the semiconductor uh, industry. And this has also helped our business. But uh, besides serving the semiconductor industries, we also have a few other, let's say, heavy industry customers around the Penang area. And also, you know, the industrial factories that are located, let's say, in the mainland of uh, Penang. So we have quite a mix, but uh, it's predominantly the semiconductor industry that is driving our growth. I also read that one of your niche products in your portfolio is high-precision direct drive motors used in semiconductor back-end testing equipment. Has the customer base grown for this business and how dependent is this business on, say, key engineers? With the growth of the semiconductor industry over the last uh, few years, we have seen this uh, business grow. Actually, Malaysia's uh, strength lies in uh, producing some of this back-end testing equipment. And we have quite a few uh, homegrown companies as well that uh, have been really you know, strong in terms of uh, developing this uh, segment as well as to be competitive globally as they export to other countries. So we have seen a strong growth in this segment and uh, when, as, as you pointed out correctly uh, that uh, this kind of segment is quite specialised so it requires um, engineers also with a certain technical competency. So we have also been hiring uh, application engineers to help us to be able to let's say uh, present on some of these products to be able to troubleshoot some of the uh, technical uh, requirements from the, the customer and this is an area that we are really looking at very closely in terms of the investment so that we can have the right people to help us to drive uh, this business going forward. But is the market very tight in terms of hiring these uh, key engineers? Do you have to pay big money?
Pelani to actually attract them because the market's quite competitive in, in Penang as well. It is. And um, that's why we are also doing, um, let's say, collaborations with the universities to make sure that we have the right talent uh, very early on. But at the same time, we don't work uh, just um, alone on ourselves here in Malaysia. We have also been collaborating with our regional counterparts, uh, let's say, located in Singapore and even the headquarters in Germany where we have a huge team of technical experts who can help us to also yeah, help the customers uh, deliver the solutions that they need. So there is some sharing in terms of uh, transibility of personnel regionally from Singapore as well as uh, from your home country in Germany as well? The transfers are not happening a lot, but there is a lot of uh, transfer of, let's not say, mentioned. information. Okay. So, for example, when we are trying to solve certain customers' um, issues or requirements, we also get our colleagues in Germany to be involved as well in coming up with this uh, session. And I guess with uh, the pandemic lockdowns that we saw the last few years, a lot of things are being done remotely and this has helped us in, in this sense. Okay, I'd like to touch a bit on the maintenance business now. In terms of revenue contribution, how big is the maintenance division for Scheffler Malaysia? So when we speak about maintenance, we are referring a little bit more to the industrial division because this is where the maintenance actually comes uh, into play. And um, I would say that maintenance or MRO business, as we call it, makes up about 60 to 70% of the industrial uh, division's turnover. Because if we look at Malaysia, there are a lot of uh, factories out there. It could be in uh, cement, quarries, steel mills, palm oil mills, uh, pulp and paper, food and beverage, uh, refineries, and all of them have uh, maintenance needs after some time. As the machine runs for a period of time, there's a need to replace some of the spare parts and to keep it running for longer. So with Industry 4.0, uh, has the industry involved to be more focused on preventive maintenance? And how are you aiding your customers in this process? The last few years of the pandemic has also seen a um, trend that goes towards um, being able to predict when uh, failures are going to happen in, in the plant and to be able to uh, undertake, let's say, proactive action to avoid uh, the failures from happening in a unplanned way. So we have also been really um, growing our portfolio in this um, segment in terms of coming out with uh, condition monitoring solutions. So these are, for example, smart sensors which are being installed in machinery and it's uh, essentially a doctor for the machinery. It gives you a health check or status of the machinery, tell you, for example, okay, if this machinery is still working fine in the next uh, few months or if an impending failure is going to happen and this allows the plant engineers to undertake um, pre uh, preventive uh, action to keep this machine running for longer and to have this uh, to, to avoid this unplanned downtime which can be very costly. Kevin, I also understand there's a machine condition monitoring solutions called Optime which has been developed in-house for this but it requires quite a hefty investment outlay. What has been the take-up for this especially in light of uh, tighter labour conditions now in Malaysia? Uh, we have actually seen that the tighter labour conditions has uh, made a lot of our customers uh, more receptive to this kind of uh, solution because uh, with this solution you can actually reduce the amount of labor that is required. These are basically smart sensors, uh, remote monitoring devices installed in the machinery um, and it gives you information 24-7 at your fingertips so the plant engineer doesn't have to go to all the machinery to check on the status of the health. So this is a new uh, product that we have uh, launched over the last uh, two to three years and uh, it has helped us to also tap into the needs of the 
customer and to serve them in a way that uh, wasn't possible, let's say, a decade ago. Would you say artificial intelligence and deep learning would be cornerstones on how this business may eventually evolve? It's a very big trend, artificial intelligence and deep learning. And this is an area we are also investing a lot. So uh, if we look at Scheffler, its roots is more in the domain of mechanical engineering. But over the last uh, decade, we have really undergone a transformational shift in terms of, let's say, hiring more software engineers, engineers who are able to participate in this trend of uh, artificial intelligence and deep learning in order to come out with digitalization solutions that the customer needs. Because these days, we are talking a lot about how we can undertake proactive, uh, predictive you know, action to keep the machinery running rather than having the machinery fail early and results in um, a lot of uh, costly downtime and also not to mention the cost of replacement of the parts because uh, if you can keep the machine running for longer, you can actually save on the uh, parts uh, maintenance. On the breakfast grill this morning is Kelvin Chong, country manager of Malaysia for Scheffler. When we come back, we will speak to him about the industrial division which supplies rolling bearings, its financials and the parent company's share price, BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. BFM 89.9, welcome back to The Breakfast Grill. In the hot seat is Kelvin Chong, country manager of Malaysia for Scheffler. Before the break, we spoke on how the business started and evolved in Malaysia, its product range and the importance of maintenance. Kelvin, I understand that the majority of motor failures are bearing related. Can you speak a bit on this industrial division which supplies rolling bearing and components in various sizes to many industries? To many industries, how big is this industry for Malaysia and who are your key customers? Sure. So for rolling bearings, um, this is, uh, I would say, our staple product. We've been doing this for many years. It's also the roots of the company. Uh, it would make up, I would say, almost 80% of the industrial division's um, uh, turnover at the moment in uh, Malaysia. And uh, as a German MNC, we are also very much uh, focused on technology in terms of uh, R&D to make sure that we produce uh, consistent quality, high-performance products that can keep our customers' machinery running for longer. As a follow-up, research has also shown that 80% of the bearing failures are lubricant-related, which is the lack of use or using the wrong lubricant. Are the lubricants produced in-house and is this a growing business for the company? Yes, uh, the lubricants are produced uh, in-house and uh, we have also many different grades of uh, lubricants. Uh, depending on the application, it can be lubricants that can withstand high temperature or harsh conditions. And uh, it's a very important part of the business because it's complementary to our bearing products. We want to make sure that our bearings can last long for our customers and to build up the branding of uh, Scheffler. So that's how we also invest a lot in lubricants to make sure that this goes along with the bearings to offer to the customer high-performing, long-lasting solutions. In terms of supply chain issues, are we at the tail end since we have seen a more global economy now and China has also reopened its borders? To a certain extent, we see an easing of the supply chain issues. Um, during the pandemic, uh, we actually had quite a bit of uh, bottlenecks um, in terms of the supply chain, but this uh, issue is now easing. However, we are also having got to make sure that we have a supply chain strategy that is, let's say, future-proof in the sense that uh, what we have learned from this pandemic in terms of just depending on a single source of supply or being too concentrated on certain uh, locations, this is no longer um, a, a viable strategy. It's something that we have to evolve you know, with the pandemic to learn about how we can really diversify our footprint and to make sure that we have alternative sources in, in case you know another shock happens to the supply chain in future, we have this buffer to be able to meet 
our customers need. How about currency fluctuations? How does this affect the pricing of products in Malaysia? Uh, I would say that the currency impact is there. However, it's not as significant as uh, we would think in many other, let's say, companies that we see because, um, for example, we are selling a lot of our products also in euros and the ringgit, let's say, versus the euros, there's not too much of, uh, let's say, devaluation, uh, let's say, compared to the US dollars. So in that sense, we are not so heavily impacted by the currency um, fluctuations. But has generally the products become more expensive now compared to, say, one or two years ago? If the products were to become more expensive, it's mainly driven by uh, inflation because uh, we see that the raw material costs, for example, steel prices have gone up a lot uh, over the last uh, two to three years. Although in the last one year, it has eased a little bit, but overall, the level is still uh, much higher than the pre-pandemic levels. And then labor costs, energy costs, uh, the Ukraine-Russia war has also contributed to the increase in the energy costs. So all this adds up together, you know, in making the input costs uh, increase. How about counterfeit products? Is this an issue and how do you address this? It's an issue uh, industry-wide and uh, how do we address this is that um, we actually conduct uh, campaigns, build up awareness among our customers on what are counterfeit products, how to make sure that they don't uh, source you know, counterfeit products and the implications of let's say, sourcing for these counterfeit uh, products. So we conduct campaigns and at the same time, we also do uh, raids from time to time to make sure that um, those uh, parties who are undertaking this uh, counterfeit action will you know, be more careful about it and to, to avoid this. And this also builds up the trust among our distributors, for example, that uh, Scheffler is taking it very seriously, uh, the counterfeit products, and they are rewarded for purchasing the genuine products from us. What about the, say, the authorities or the government? Are they also quite important to help address this? To a certain extent, the industry and the government plays a role as well in setting certain standards. And uh, we are also watching this very closely to make sure that the policies are in line. However, a lot of the action is still to be taken on our side to make sure that um, uh, genuine products gets to our customers. Kelvin, the success of your industry hinges a great deal on growth in volume in the automotive market, be it EV or still inter internal combustion engines, and also the semiconductor industry. And both are expected to face more headwinds this year with a slowing global economy. Have you already seen a parent slowdown in your business? We are seeing some slowdown in some segments of our business. For example, the semiconductor sector, uh, there has been a slowdown more in the consumer electronics uh, side of things. So this really depends also on our customers' footprint for the customers who are more exposed to the consumer electronics uh, segment. They're actually feeling a sharper slowdown. But for customers who are, say, serving the automotive uh, side of the business, uh, semiconductor, they're not really experiencing a big drop because uh, there is still quite a bit of uh, shortages in the semiconductor for automotive yeah, segment. Uh, Kelvin, I'd like to touch a bit on ESG. Globally, the Scheffler Group will target to be climate neutral starting in 2040 and adopt sustainability in all its dimensions as a central component of its corporate strategy. Is Malaysia following this very closely? As part of the overall group, we are looking at, uh, for example, by year 2030, we are supposed to be carbon neutral in all our production sites and by 2040, carbon neutral for the company as a whole. So this includes uh, scope 3 emissions, which uh, involves the supply chain sourcing and all that. That is the tougher task, but we are working towards the direction and uh, some of the initiatives that has been taken as well by the group includes uh, sourcing for green steel. Uh, steel is a major component for a lot of the products that we make and uh, steel is also a sector that is uh, very intensive in the carbon emissions. It's an industry that is also hard to decarbonize, but we are taking proactive steps by sourcing 
sourcing for green steel to make sure that our products can eventually be green. And at the same time, we are also taking part in the electrification, let's say, trend by producing parts that goes into EVs, hybrid, and not to mention that also Scheffler is a member of the Hydrogen Council. So we are also developing uh, technologies to be able to generate hydrogen at a large industrial scale. Calvin, I'd like to uh, touch a bit on your financials now. And uh, looking at your financials over the past five years from 2017 to 2021, revenue has grown by a compounded annual growth rate of 5% to nearly 70 million in 2021. However, net profit jumped from just 208,000 in 2017 to 3.4 million. How do you explain the increase in profits in financial year 21? Is this mainly currency or is it a move to be, in terms of your your maintenance business, is this a bigger contributor to your business now? I think over the years, we have uh, undertaken also a lot of uh, actions to make sure that we are being able to, let's say, present in the high margin uh, areas of the business. And uh, so, for example, uh, going into more niche uh, products, uh, even electrification is also a journey going towards uh, the, the, the future. And um, at the same time, this also re- requires a lot of uh, investment. So we'll see that uh, the, the financials and the profitability, it may not really show up in a very tangible way in these uh, few years as we are investing in our transformation towards um, electrification. However, we believe that uh, this uh, sets the foundation for the future going forward. And this is also one of the benefits of a German uh, MNC that is uh, family owned, that we are able to undertake long-term R&D investment divisions that many, uh, let's say, companies who are listed in the stock market um, may not be able to do. Yeah. Yeah, So do you think there's more upside in terms of your margins? I mean, net margins for 2021, although they've increased, but they're still like sub 5%. And it's also a reflection of the distribution nature of your business. Do you think there's a lot more uh, opportunity to increase your margins from these levels? There is an opportunity to increase. And um, and this is also one of the, uh, the beauties of being, let's say, a diversified company like us, where we are present in the automotive uh, business as well as industrial business, where there are some years, um, one division helps to compensate for the, um, let's say, relative underperformance of another division. So uh, it balances out. And uh, we are also seeing a stronger contribution from the industrial division uh, in these years. And the industrial division is also um, able to generate uh, relatively high margins. So we, we see that there's room for upside um, potential in the coming years. Kelvin, I looked at the most recent re- release of the listed entity Scheffler AG's results and revenue showed 20% growth for third quarter of last year. Gross margins were stable at 23%. Asia Pacific, which Malaysia comes under, con- contributed 13% of group sales and grew 11% year on year. While there was growth, it was also the slowest growing region with Europe, US and China showing higher growth of 16 to 25%. I'm just trying to understand this. Shouldn't Asia Pacific being an emerging market be showing stronger growth compared to the more developed market? Yeah, again, it really depends on the, um, let's say, the region's exposure to different, um, say, uh, divisions, uh, business. For example, in um, Europe, um, because they are also coming out from the pandemic and uh, it, it really depends also on which part of, uh, let's say, the cycle of the pandemic that we are exiting. I think we all uh, also can understand that, for example, Asia-Pacific uh, exited from the pandemic a little bit uh, later compared to, uh, say, Europe or the US, where they have already um, eased the restrictions at an earlier stage. And as a result, the economy has also rebounded. And uh, if we see also in the US, for example, uh, there has been a lot of stimulus that's been pumped into um, in, during the pandemic time by the uh, Biden administration. And this has also boosted a lot of spending and, and the growth. Yeah. So I would say that there is not a very direct link there in the sense that uh, the government 
government policies play a role as well as uh, which uh, stage of the uh, let's say pandemic uh, lockdowns that the countries are exiting but now we are actually seeing uh, quite a strong growth going forward as Asia has just you know come out from all the uh, pandemic restrictions and Calvin I don't mean to put you in the spot but given this is a business station I have to ask you about the listed entity Schaeffler AG, AG's share price it's listed on the Frankfurt Stock Exchange uh, in October of 2015 at a price of 13.5 euros but since then the share price has halved with your meetings with top management of the group what would you say that went wrong and what are the strategies to actually address this okay actually a lot of uh, if, we, if we look at the industry wide let's say share price performance even our peers have also uh, gone down over the last uh, one year and uh, there's also quite a few trends you know driving these in terms of the overall let's say economy uh, slowdown however we are also uh, undertaking a lot of action in terms of the investments in uh, electrification which will set us up uh, strongly in the future and this is not yet reflected in today's uh, share price but uh, we are really paying attention to what the investors what the general market is telling us and uh, we take this as a signal that we need to let's say transform more uh, quickly towards the direction of electrification and the, the company is doing this at the moment on that note thank you for your time today on the breakfast grill was kelvin chong country manager of malaysia for scheffler i am chong jensen bfm 89.9 the bfm breakfast grill is brought to you by you mobile 5g now with you you have been listening to a podcast from bfm 89.9 the business station for more stories of the same kind download the bfm app